Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 7, Episode 45. I'm John DiCarlo, joined by Kyle Gauss and Javon Edmonds later on. When we talk to Temple assistant basketball coach Jimmy Fender, you will hear the, the glorious voice of, of Sam Cohn. But for now, here in the intro, it's just Javon and Kyle and I talking. What's going on, guys? Not much. Uh, Sam is with us in our hearts. <laughs> he is not with us for this segment. He's still alive. <laughs> well, yeah. People Sam can Cohen be still alive. People can be in your hearts without having been deceased. Yes. I carry you, John. I carry you in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm the only famous, I'm sure there's, oh, there's, a, there's a huge one. 45. Yeah. Why am I thinking of Vaughn Hebron from the Eagles? That's thing? not it. That's not the huge one. Javon, what do you think of when you think of 45? Michael Jordan. For Michael Jordan coming back. He couldn't wear 23. Oh yeah. Well, he yeah. could, he just didn't want to. I thought it was because it was just like, it was retired by the bulls at that point. They hadn't unretired it. No, he, um, he wanted to leave that 23 stuff in the past until Nick Anderson, you know, said something to him in the playoffs and 23 came back out and looked like 23. So Michael Jordan wanted to make the story a little bit bigger. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob Gibson, 45. Yes. Um, the, yeah. Bob Gibson and Michael Jordan were the big ones to me. We have uh, a head for you in the podcast here. Again, you'll, you'll hear part of our interview with Jimmy Fennerty. You gave us a, a great scan of the roster, as he always does, took some mailbag questions. You will hear part of that on this episode of The Scoop. Subscribers to alscoop.com will be able to hear the full interview in its entirety. So we have that coming up. And of course, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. If you're listening to this later tonight or, or Thursday morning, uh, Temple is going to be hosting its football media day. The American Athletic Conference will also be hosting its media day. And then preseason camp starts next week. So we'll have plenty of football uh, to talk to you about as well. Uh, something we're going to be doing, we've kind of teased to it on the last episode. We're going to be doing an, an all-time Temple basketball fantasy draft. Uh, Javon, I am it's with good reason you're not going to be able to do the draft for us. You're celebrating your mother's birthday, correct? Yes. So then let me let me ask you this again. Mark Macon consensus number one pick. You're not going to take part in the draft unless you kind of hop in and you're like a, a shadow drafter for somebody. Let's say you get the number two pick, Macon's off the board. Who would you take? Jackson. I think I'd take Mark Jackson. This is a number. Oh, man. I can number see. two would be number two. That's maybe a little high. But Mark Jackson has to be a first round pick. That's why I like it. That's why I'm missing like a new, like Javon to the wild card here, like Jackson. And I love, 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 love Mark Jackson. Love him as a player, love him as a person. If you're sitting there at three and your mind is blown, like, okay, Mark Jackson went number two, there are a lot of guys out there. This is when somebody drafts Tom Brady second overall. This is when mm-hmm. someone takes a quarterback like second overall, and you're like, holy crap, my entire board's. Well, let's think disrupted. about the consensus first rounders then. So I don't, I'm not revealing anything. I'm just saying. I'm still, I'm still, in, I'm still in the shit, man. I got to go out there tomorrow and perform. Okay. You're, you're I right. You're right. <laughs> okay. I'll let you keep your board. I will yourself. say. Apparently, we got rid of a wild card, in Javon, and we we invited the fox into the hen house with who we replaced him with. Yes, Varun Kumar. Varun is going yeah. to eat our lunch. Like he's going to destroy us. Yes, Varun is. Uh, some of you who've subscribed to the site for a long time, you know Varun. He is. I don't know how old he is now, but he's going on, let's say, seventy-five years old. 
He's an old soul, did not go to Temple, loves Temple, went to Pitt. We've told the story before. I think he showed up at a random Temple style game and on Wednesday night, we're at the Palestra, we're walking down to the media area. He taps us on the shoulder, gives us a hug. Kyle looks him square in the eyes, says, what are you doing here? Why are He was a student at Pitt at the time. Why, like, are, you, why are you here? And he said something like, I couldn't miss couldn't it. Couldn't miss so it, man. Like had a, to be here. A moderately attended Big Five game in the middle of the week, but he loves his Temple history, loves his Temple basketball. But... Javon, you'll have the Zoom link. I mean, if you want to Zoom bomb us, please do. I might I'm, pop in if if possible. I'm going to throw another 45 out there that I got from Googling. Back up big on like the second or third best NBA team of all time, the 82-83 Sixers. Uh, Mark Ivoroni? No, Clement Mark Johnson. I- Who? Clement or Clement Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold on, wait. What was your rank for those Sixers? Like, like third or fourth best team of all time. Mm. Yeah. They almost went 4-4-4-4. Four, 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 four. Or did yeah, they go 4-4-4-4? Four, 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 four. Like, they, they dominated the playoffs. They beat the crap out of the Lakers in that series. Yeah, Hall Moses was too much to handle. Yeah. Like, they're like – I'm not, I'm not going to make an argument like, oh, they're better than, like, the heyday, like, Bulls or, like, maybe, like, more recent Warriors. But, like, they're like a top yeah, They're guaranteed top ten. They're yeah, like they a top four about five NBA enough. team. Yeah. Feel Javon saying, uh, crafting a take in his head. No, 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 no. no. I, I actually like that. I, I actually like that because I don't think Moses Malone and that team get enough credit at all. 100%. I mean, they won 65 games, but they're still like overshadowed. Like they were like a dominant, dominant team with like they, they whooped the prime Lakers because Kareem yeah. had nothing for Moses. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Moses uh, averaged 26 and 18 in that, in that NBA finals, 18 rebounds a game. Like Kareem starting, still did his thing at 23 points a game, but like not dominant. Wait, the Ivory start on the, that, that their starting five was Mo Cheeks, mm-hmm. obviously Julius Irving, Moses. Was it Ivory and Andrew Tony? Is that the Andrew Tony? It was um, Moses Malone, Andrew Tony, Dr. J, Mo Cheeks, and Bobby Jones, right? Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones. Yeah. 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 There you go. A little NBA. Bobby Jones in the Hall of Fame, too. So is it four Hall of Famers on that team? I think so. Yeah. 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 So we got a a draft. Very good, Tony. Draft coming up, and then we'll have – we're hoping to talk to down the line some of the players that are taken in this draft just to have some fun with this. And I think what we're going to do, guys, right, is like the the teams will be selected, and then we'll kind of, you know, put this out there, maybe do a poll or something like that, have people pick, uh, and that's how teams will advance in the bracket. So we're looking forward to – having some fun with that. In addition to the football coverage that we have lined up for you again with, um, with preseason camp starting next week, but let us start you off here with our interview and our conversation with, with Jimmy Fennerty temples, assistant coach. Uh, again, you'll hear this. If you are an alscoop.com subscriber, you can hear this in its entirety. You're gonna hear part of that interview here where he gives us a little bit of a scan of the roster. And again, some, some, some terrific insight into the program and, uh, the high hopes that that they have heading into the season and heading into year four. I think everybody can agree this is a it's time to get to the NCAA tournament type of year, and Jimmy certainly feels that way. So we will play this interview interview, excuse me, uh, for you now. Joining us once again on the scoop, as he's done several times before, he's always very generous with his time. Is Temple assistant basketball coach Jimmy Farity here to talk to us about the current team? Anything in general, who knows what will come up, maybe his his vast palate, his 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 uh his complicated uh appetite. Who knows what, what did what did what did Jimmy say his Chipotle order was or 
something or we talked about an order somewhere last time he was on the pod. It was Chipotle. It definitely was Chipotle. Was it Blay? It was something like just chicken, rice, and cheese, right, Jimmy? <laughs> Only just a little bit of cheese, though. Just a little bit, not too much. You can't, you can't. <laughs> a little bit. No, don't you, you don't tell them a little bit. You're getting the whole handful of cheese there. I'm, I'm not really ready for all that. Can so. you can you tell us what when you say just a little bit of cheese, what the look is on the on the face of the person working there? Like, can you define a little bit? Or I'll tell you what it's, like it's not as crazy as it is when I say, yeah, you can wrap it up after that. Cause then, then they're looking like, really, this is all you want. But I'm like, yeah, okay. I think you should know how ridiculous it is that you actually got a reaction from a Chipotle employee. <laughs> like, like it's a line item thing and you stood out enough for them to be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, hey, we're already off and running with, uh, with some food talk, but uh, Jimmy, thanks so much for, uh, for being here. We appreciate it. Um, let's, Talk, I guess, about like the, your newest addition. We'll start off. I mean, there's there's a lot to get into, but uh, Shane Dazoni, the the Vanderbilt transfer. Uh, I think fans were waiting to see how it was going to play out. Very good high school player, highly recruited guy, and he's had quite a journey. You know, he, he committed to Arizona, uh, got out of his, I guess, got out of his LOI once Sean Miller was fired. Ends up at Vanderbilt. You guys got a little bit of a glimpse at him when you, you beat him down there this past season, and then he verbally commits to St. Joe's. That didn't work out, and now he's with you guys. Um, can you just give fans a glimpse of how that all came together? Why you guys, you know, why you guys liked him and pursued him in the portal and how he's looked so far? Yeah, no, it's, it's great to have Shane. Uh, obviously I think it's, it's funny because we, we were his first offer. Um, and that was really the first young guy that we offered when we got here as a staff. So seeing it come full circle has been great. Uh, Shane is, he's, he's terrific. He, he's, he's got a good way about him. Uh, he's a great teammate. Uh, he's, he's, improving shooting the ball. That's been the thing that I've been most excited about. We knew he could shoot, uh, but we didn't know he could shoot this well. Uh, but he also got a great feel, great feel, makes other guys better, gives us another ball handler uh, that, that we that we knew, sort of needed. It's sort of a great fit for what we needed at that time. Uh, we had already sort of filled the holes with the bigs. We had gotten Taj. We had gotten uh, Deuce. So, so then we needed another ball handler, and, and Shane just popped up at the right time, and it, it worked out. We're, we're really excited about him. He's got a really bright future, and I, I think he's a guy who is going to really help us here for the next couple of years. Do you? I know there's a lot of time between now and the season. It may not seem like it to, to you guys when you're on a, a tight calendar, but do you expect them to play this year? We do. Yeah, we do. Uh, we expect them to play. Uh, that was sort of the plan from the start. Uh, he's ready to go and cleared, and, and and we're ready to hit the ground running with him. You mentioned Taj the last few months felt like a blur. I can't remember last time we had you on, but uh, can you tell us a little about, about uh, Taj Sweet and how he's looked so far this summer through workouts? Yeah, Taj Taj has a a, a wealth of energy, to, to put it uh, simply. He, he's a guy, sometimes I told him, like, hey, there's a reason there's speed limits here. You can't go 100, 100 miles per hour all the time. Uh, but that's a good thing and a bad thing at times. So for him, it's it's about bringing great energy, bringing the physicality, the toughness, running the floor that he does. He's he's a junkyard dog, and he's he's everywhere in practice. And and he's he's it, for him, he's so excited because this is his first chance to really kind of get out there and play. Obviously, he couldn't really play a whole lot last year. It was a weird situation transferring to Coastal Carolina and West Virginia. His freshman year was sort of a COVID year. It didn't really. It wasn't a legitimate year. So this will be his first real full year in a college basketball program. And we're excited to work with him. So we're looking forward to that. What about with Taj? Do you think, is he, is that a to be determined type of thing, whether he can play or is going to play? Or do you guys know what how that's going to play out yet? 
to be determined as of right now. I think there's some NCA things that you got to look through with waivers and and uh, the new transfer rules and and all of that. And I think it's just for us right now, it's just a wait and see sort of thing and and see what breaks our way, see what doesn't break our way, and and see where we can be this time and in in about three four months here. One last one here before I, uh, about Taj before I turn things over to, to Kyle for the next question. Obviously, you guys recruited both of them when they were in high school. And he's he's tight with Jaleel, who really took a you know a huge step for you guys last year. I know it's only been like a little bit of time, but they're obviously friends. Um, when you look at how they've interacted so far, how how good has it been for him to maybe, or I'm assuming, how good has it been for him to be back home and be around somebody like Jaleel, who he was so close with in high school, and now they get to play together like fans were hoping for uh, initially? Absolutely, yeah, they, they, he fits. You know, I think that with all of our guys that we brought in and you worry about that, right? So you got to add five new guys into the program and you're trying to figure out how everyone's going to match. And you know these guys, but you don't really know them until you get them here. And Taj is a guy we knew a little bit more about, but he fits. He fits right in with the guys and, and everybody likes each other. And now it's early, but uh, everybody has been enjoying each other, enjoying having Taj around. He's, he, I think he he may win the funniest guy on the team uh, contest here if we ever had one. So uh, he fits right in. I mean, looking at all of those playmakers on the team, it makes me think of you, you get a full season of Emmanuel Promo now, who back in high school, he got to play with Cam Thomas, who's obviously an NBA level scorer. How excited are you about a full season of a Promo? knowing he's been around this style of play before. Yeah, absolutely. Ema's got to be a guy to do a lot of the dirty work. Like, he's got to be physical. He's a very, very good positional defender, and, and he does a great job of sealing. So for him, when, when he rolls, he's not a guy who's, who's scoring a ton, but when he rolls, if he can seal his defender and open up driving lanes for those guys, that's huge. That's huge, and, and that's that's a big piece for him. So he's, he's we're pretty excited about him as well. And what have you seen from him on the low block? I thought – Last year, he looked like the best low post scorer on the team to me. What what have you seen from him in that fast of the game? Yeah, he's getting there. Um, he's, he's spent a lot of time working on it. Um, he's getting there. He can score in there. I think probably if, if we were to to define it, like he's he's a decent passer down there too, um, but he, he can score it a little bit. Uh, he's getting better. He's been working a ton. The fun part is with, with these three centers we got, having them all play one-on-one every day is fun, and it, it helps those guys to get better. And Ema's a guy, he's, he's won a couple of days, and that's that's been cool to see his growth and his development, his, his self-confidence as well. Jimmy, I want to ask you about, uh, about this as well. One of the fun things we're going to try to do, we're, we're doing this tomorrow night, we're going to have uh, Al Scoop, all-time Temple basketball fantasy draft type of thing. What, 13, 13 players – uh, should be fun. People are coming up with draft boards allegedly. I want to ask you, put you on the spot here, and ask you for your your all time Temple starting five, and maybe if you've got like a guy that instantly jumps out to you as a guy that comes off the bench. Yeah, so you're you're putting me in some hot water here because I work with five of them. Um, so if <laughs> I don't say Chris, Aaron, Macon, Brooks, and Ivy, then then I've I've done a bad job, and I'm I'm probably not going to have a job for very long. It's a it's um, a safe space. Just but, say what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a Chris Clark fan growing up. I'm gonna be honest. With you. I used to go down. I went down the, the year they won three A ten tournaments in a row. I was at uh, I was at every single one of them in AC with my dad. So um, I, I loved watching those teams, and and I, I was a big I was a big Chris Clark fan. But um, Brooks. 
Uh, McKee, Macon, and Ivy would have to round out my starting five. <laughs> um, Who's so, first off the bat? Mark Jackson comes around quite a bit, so I'm going to throw Mark on there. And, and Marty mm-hmm. Collins was in today, so I, I got to say him. But if I don't say Shiz Alston, I'm, I'm going to hear that for the rest of my life. So um, I actually grew up working out Shiz when he was in high school there. So Jimmy, want to ask you, want to ask you about that now that you bring up Shiz. He had mentioned that he spent almost the entirety of last summer around the team. I think it was last summer on the team. And it looks like he's around the facility a ton this summer um, as a mentor to the guys working out himself, training with the guys. How important has he been to the program uh, just over the last couple of years since he's graduated? Really? I would say the beauty of temple, the beauty of Philadelphia, but really the beauty of temple is when these guys come back. So like Scooty Randall is in here almost every day. You already have Brooks making Ivy and, and Chris and, and Aaron, but it, it, Scooty Randall's in here all the time. Uh, Shiz comes back. He's in here almost every day. Uh, Marty Collins is in here today talking to our guys. Deontay Christmas is in a lot. Um, so it, it's it's great because they hear the message from us, but at the end of the day, we're their coaches, right? So if if they hear it from Deontay Christmas or Scooty Randall or whoever it is that comes back or Shiz, like – that's massive for, for us because they've been in their shoes. They've been through it. They know what it's like and they can talk to them like peers as opposed to coach player. Um, and, and that's been huge. And she's, she's done a great job. He, he's already latched on to, to KB and Dame and, and he did a good job with Jeremiah when he was here and, and just trying to help those guys through a lot of this and talk to them and they'll get out there and they'll play pickup with them. And, and that part's been a lot of fun because they just, it, it carries on the culture from throughout the years, uh, but it also gives them a different perspective because those guys are living what they what they, they want to do, you know, and that, that's been fun. Jimmy, one last draft question for you. Let's say you were going to take part in our draft and you had the number one overall pick in the draft. Who are you taking? Uh, to quote Allen Iverson, Aaron McKee, Aaron McKee, Aaron McKee, Aaron McKee. So, <laughs> that, that's, that's, I, I'm not giving you anything other than Coach Pete, but I, I'm going with Aaron McKee. So he signs my checks. So. I'm making a commissioner ruling here. Jimmy participated in practice that one season. He is eligible for the draft. You can draft Jimmy Fennerty in the all-time draft. There we go. I did. I'm surprised you know that. Yeah, I think I you told me that. Like, I, think I, I think I knew it at the time. It was just what? They were so short-staffed that Dumphy was like, look. Somebody's got to get out there. Yeah, it was my first year here as a grad assistant. We were 9-22, and 22, and Dan Dingle, we had 10 scholarship guys because you had Jesse Morgan, Devin Coleman, and Jalen Bond sitting, sitting out. And Dan Dingle tore his meniscus, mm-hmm. and Mark Williams had a uh, – rolled his ankle, and we were at UCF in the locker room, and Dump turns to me and he goes, how many years of eligibility do you have left? <laughs> Thank God it was zero because that would have been awful for everybody involved. <laughs> So, um, so you think, yeah, I can imagine that conversation, Jimmy. Uh, let me ask you a question here. You can do that. <laughs> yeah. And then this is, this is prime time dump in the locker room. So you can imagine there were a couple other words that were used in, in yeah. that moment. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I remember calling my dad like that. Oh, this is not good. Would have been great That's if you'd awesome. gotten in, hit a couple shots and dump. Like he's just, you know, he's just a, he's a good human being. He's a good human oh, being. He man. works his butt off every day. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is we will we will now, Kyle, we'll have to make it. Is there when we ordered our draft packet, is there a Jimmy Fennerty sticker or do we have to write him in now? Yeah, absolutely not. Please do not do that for me or or any disrespect to the Temple University men's basketball players of the future of the past that that earned that way more than I did. So I guess real quick, since you brought him up, I mean, just kind of what are your thoughts on dump up at LaSalle now and that you guys are going to get a chance to play him early on? 
Yeah, happy for him, rooting for him. Um, excited for for him. I mean, anytime you get a chance to be at your alma mater to try to write that and and get that ship going in the right direction. And um, not that it wasn't, but I think when you bring in Dunf, get a chance to to see what he can do. And, and rooting for Mark Huber over there as well. And those guys are good guys. And and those are those games where you, you don't really want to win, but you have to win, you know, because you, you like those guys so much and, and you're so incredibly thankful for for them and what they've done for you. So um, pumped for Dunf and it's cool seeing him on the road and and uh, you get to have some some fun conversations as well. So. We had a few mailbag questions for you here. One is is from the, these are screen names from our, our Al Scoop message boards. This is from Berkshire Al, and he's saying, "How is he feeling about the new players? Are they fitting in with the culture?" So, I mean, I, it sounds like the answer to that is a positive one. But I'll, I'll kind of maybe adapt this question here. This is kind of the new norm where the roster is going to be turning over a lot with the portal. And how do you? Is it just second nature now to kind of say this is what we deal with in terms of? that being a together team, like you said, or is that kind of where you want it to be right now? It is. It is. I think we, we do a good job. And this is really stems from Aaron of recruiting temple guys, guys that fit us. Uh, We're not, we're not really, we're not trying to bend who we are for anyone. Um, So the guys we bring in sort of have an idea uh, of who we are. Um, But, but yeah, this is the new normal. Uh, I think if you would talk to me in, April, I, I would probably have bags under my eyes and, and be exhausted just from everything that you got to do at that time and, and with as many scholarships you had. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of just trying to figure things out. So it is the new normal. Um, people complain about it. It is what it is. I think we benefited from the portal, to be completely honest with you. I think we we went out there and we got five, well, four transfers, so four really good pieces and, and a high school guy who I think is really going to help us. So I think the guys who came in are, are better than the guys who went out, not not to take anything away from the guys who went out, and we're thankful for what they were able to do here. But um, when you graduate four guys, I think you kind of knew, all right, there's a chance that most of these guys are going to leave. And then obviously you lose Jay Will and Quincy, and, and they were a little bit – one of them was unexpected. One of them we, we kind of thought was coming. So um, – that's it is the new normal and that's what you sort of have to expect um i think you'll see teams taking a high school guy or two that they wouldn't normally take because of that um because they're thinking all right let's let's get a guy in the stable we have a guy we we know he's going to be pretty good or we know he's a good program guy we know about him so that way we don't have to scramble in april and and, um june so uh that's a big piece to it too kind of segues us into this next question the screen name is b devon four has the transfer portal made the recruiting of high school players any easier or less competitive with so many schools now holding scholarships for the portal and with arguably the deepest Temple team in some time? Any any guess as to how deep the rotation will likely go? So the first question is, is it easier to recruit high school guys? Yes and no. Um, the guys that we need, like you, we need we need high major guys. You know what I mean? We, we think we're a high major. If you look at our league, we're a high major league. So you need high major guys. So the high major guys are still getting recruited. Um, it's that next tier guys that that aren't getting as many offers as they normally would, because you go all in on two or three guys that you really like. And if you don't get them, Hey, you know what, you're going to wind up going to the portal anyway. So we're, we're not going to have to take a high school guy like we would in the past. Um, but that being said, like, I think there are some high school guys, like I don't think we get deuce in a normal year. Um, I think Deuce probably winds up taking something and, and winds up going going to a pretty good spot and winds up being a guy who probably would have transferred up if if 
everything kind of worked out the way we think it's going to work out with him. Um, I think that it, right now, what you're seeing with some high school guys, I think you're going to see guys committing a little earlier. I think you're going to see some guys who uh, maybe aren't necessarily uh, at the level that they're being recruited at, some of them, because guys are going to take guys, all right, he's a, he's a, a kid, he's close by, he's got a chance to be really good, let's take him because we think he's going to be good and he's going to develop. Um, and I think you'll see more guys are redshirt guys too. Uh, because they're going to say, hey, look, nobody in our league plays uh, freshmen, so let's redshirt you first. And, and we've had success with that. You look at Ja, you look at Dane, both guys with redshirt and wind up being all rookie guys. So I think that's something you think about at the same time. But um, I, I'm actually pretty excited about our 23 class and, and just a couple of guys that, that we're recruiting. So um, that's exciting as well. This last mailbag question here, the screen name is Esther Boyer, coming in hot with this direct question. How long until we can expect the NCAA tournament berth? No canned answers. <laughs> no canned answers. Absolutely. Uh, this year, uh, the goal for us is to go this year. And I think, I think we have the team to get there. I think we've scheduled that way. I think if you look at our conference, uh, we, we don't want to be what SMU was last year. And it, we got to go. And so we're going to schedule to that level. Um, we told this when we were recruiting guys, when we did the Zoom meeting with Taj and, and Shane and, and Corn and Millie, it's a hey, like, this is go time. Like we're built and now not to put any added pressure on us, but for us, we're thinking NCAA tournament and that's, that's gotta be this year. And that's our plan. Jimmy, thanks for your time, man. We appreciate it. And we'll uh, certainly talk to you again soon. Yeah, no problem guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. A right, big thank you once again to Jimmy Fennerty. Again, a reminder that that was a part of our conversation with Jimmy. You can get the whole thing on the site that is available to alscoop.com subscribers. But I mean, it sounds like the easy low hanging fruit thing to say guys, but it, as I said, before we queued up the interview for you here, they know that they feel they have the the pieces to win and go to the NCAA tournament and anything less than that isn't going to be, isn't going to be enough. Right. Yeah. I'm going to break the Jimmy Ferry interview into 10 parts. We're going to call it the first dance because I think they're really focused on uh, like, this is a make or break regardless. Like, I think if you had rewound the clock three years ago, you would have said the last year was probably when they had to make the tournament, but you know, a global pandemic happens. They have a bunch of people transfer out. Uh, they have their back-to-back starting point guards, leave the program for different reasons. So I would say that like this year is, if they want this to be a long-term success where, Hey, Temple keeps building upon itself, keeps building upon itself. They, they need to make the tournament this year. There's no excuses. And, and Jimmy said it. He thinks he's got the roster for it. I told you guys in the group chat. Um, I heard good things about Jalil and Dazoni last week. Um, and everything Jimmy said about Nick was on brand with the performance I heard he had. Um, so, I mean, like you said, conference, or, not conference, tournament or bust and, the non-conference schedule will help a lot. They've got to hope they draw St. John's and the Empire Classic because that's big for the resume. St. John's hasn't had a losing record and Lord knows how long. Um, so that's only going to help boost their stock. So tournament of the bus, don't be SMU from last year. Yeah, I, I think the I think Jimmy talked about this. Is one of the things that kind of sticks out is it's not just the fact that you're bringing back you know Caleb Battle and Dame Don and all these and Zach Hicks. It's adding in some of those transfers and the bigs, and even Taj Thweed if he plays and Shane stuff like that. Allow players like Nick Jordan to play in the role that they should be playing in. 
Like Nick Jordan has played out of position a lot in college basketball at Temple. And I think this is the year where they finally say, look, if everybody's healthy and we're rolling in there with our full 12 scholarships, because they do have one open, that they have the depth to finally like run this team the way they want to run it. All right. So again, big thank you to Jimmy. Hope you guys enjoy that interview and to our subscribers. Hope you enjoy the full conversation there. If you have not yet subscribed to Alscoop.com, that will be a great time as uh, things are really going to be getting ramped up here over the next several weeks between some of the basketball coverage we're going to be giving you and, of course, the football coverage as training camp approaches next week. So that will lead us nicely into our conversation now about preseason camp and this 2022 edition of the Temple Owls under first-year head coach Stan Drayton. Uh, we'll lead things off here with a, a very basic Mailbag question here from Berkshire Al from the message board. We asked for message board. Uh, we asked for, excuse me, mailbag questions. And he just asked the general one, what are you all expecting from the football team this year? So we'll address that and then kind of get into some, you know, position battles. We're keeping an eye on. I'll, I'll touch briefly on, uh, I had a, the opportunity to talk to Adam Klein and Zach Gill before the Phillies game Monday night, at the temple takeover event. But I know it sounds simple, but I, I get that question a lot. I got that question a lot Monday night. Hey, you know, fans in general, happy to see the Rod Carey era and Stan Drayton seems like he gets it. What do you think this team's going to look like this year? What are you all expecting from the football team this year, as, as Berkshire Al said? So I'll, I'll, Kyle, I'll throw that over to you first. And Javon, again, we've got, we might be answering this question differently at the end of August. I don't know how much it'll change, but what are you expecting from the team this year? Progress, hopefully. I mean, I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that this team's all of a sudden nine and three and is contending for a conference championship. I think you're just looking for signs of progress. And a lot of that's obviously in the box score and on the, the scoreboard of hey, are they not losing by 45 points to these games? Are they competitive? Are I actually just because I guess I'm a, a sadist or a masochist, I looked up the Temple Boston College box score today because hey, why not? Let's relive that game where they couldn't move the ball the entire time and a very winnable game without Phil Jerkovich. You just looked like a peewee football team. Uh, I, I don't expect games like that. I do think that uh, Sandra and his staff have done a good job of highlighting and bringing in um, players at positions of need, but I'm expecting progress. I, I mean, I would think that if I'm a betting man that they're winning four or five, maybe six games, but uh, that's TBD. Six wins will be great season. Five wins will be good. Four and eight, and it's like if as long as it's a good four and eight, that's my most reasonable expectation. But I'm in that same range. That four and eight has to be like okay. Those eight losses, they fought hard. They lost who they were supposed to lose to. Five, you know, they stole the game. Six is Stan Drayton is going to be on the path to being the next pretty good Temple coach. Yeah, if they win six games this year, then Stan Drain's probably not here in four years. Like, that yeah. just seems like, okay, then they're on the right path and make that big step They go from there. I, I'll say I think their first game is the perfect, like, barometer for determining how this season's going to be because, like, Duke's not a good team. They're not a good program. They're in the first year of a new regime, too. I'm not saying you have to go down there and beat Duke, but if you go down there and lose 45 to nothing against a two-win Duke team that had to replace its entire coach staff, then that's probably not a great sign of where you are in your progress. But if you go down there and you're competitive and it goes into the fourth quarter and you lose there, or if you win that game, then that's probably a sign that they're on the right path. Yeah. I think you guys make some, some good points there. I, Javon, to your point, I think that that's how I would view it too. If they, if they're a, a four and eight 
team, but they look like they're making tangible signs of progress at four and eight. That's about, I think the most realistic approach that you can take, you know, and, and Kyle, to your point, Duke is a really good kind of barometer an interesting barometer for them as an opener with, with Elko down there, interesting backstory there. Cause he got offered, he got offered the job and, and turned it down and turned it into a, I think what we know was a pretty decent raise at, at A&M to, to stay there. Right. So it'll be interesting, really interesting opener. I, I think everybody is sort of kind of in the, in the, in the same boat there in terms of what to expect from the football team this year. It's, you know, if they're, if they finish six and six and go to a bowl game, but they're cutting a bunch of corners and they, and you'd think, wow, they won that game, but we're not sure how they did it. If I think the, how they look and how they win, how they play is, is just as important, if not more important. Uh, before we get to a couple of other mailbag questions here, we've touched on this a little bit before, and we've said that there really aren't too many position battles to look at that aren't up for grabs, maybe with the exception of like, you like how you look at corner, right? With, you know, with, with Cam Ruiz, um, with uh, Keyshawn Paul, Keyshawn Paul, um, and even the next level down with like Jalen McMurray and whether a guy like Elijah Clark, like I think that yeah. position group's pretty solid. Yeah. And, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about Adam Klein in a second. He told me that he's, he looks like he's pretty settled in it at right tackle, although he's played some other positions on the line. Obviously the, the quarterback position is going to be an interesting one. And most coaches, unless they have a, a really solidified guy there or, or say that the competition is always going to be king at, at quarterback, but you know, Stan Drayton is obviously going to be looking for someone to emerge there between Dewan Mathis and, and Quincy Patterson, the, the North Dakota state via Virginia tech transfer. I don't know if it'll be a situation again, this is something that will need to be written and decided where is it, a Dewan Mathis at starter with some packages for Quincy Patterson. We'll have to see how that goes, but I don't know. Are there any other position battles where you feel like it's going to be anticlimactic or other than, than corner? You know what? For as much like turmoil as, as, as to be quite frank, how bad, bad they were last year in this group. I kind of feel like I know how the offensive line is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of feel like okay, Isaac Moore and Adam Klein and Wisdom Corshi is going to be in there. Richard Rodriguez is going to be in there. Is it Bryce Toman at center or is it Wisdom Corshi at center? Is piece of doing like I feel. I feel like for the most part, I think that's going to end up being like oh yeah, the five guys that started against Duke were like five guys that you would expect. Mm-hmm. Whether that's like Jim To Obadegu also in there. Like I, I think there's there's competition there, but I feel like with that group and that position, you would tend to lean towards like, well, let's go with guys that have done it in the past at first. Javon, what do you think? You think that's a, a would you agree with Kyle there? And that that's a, a line that's pretty much, I don't want to say short up because they still do have some. Oh, I don't think it's short up whatsoever. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like Kyle said, the first five guys we see out there together are going to be the most sensible five at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think I've said it before, safety looks pretty short up to me um, outside of corner, like the secondary is filled. I think we have a good outlook of what linebacker is going to look like. I think quarterback and receiver and how the running back snaps get distributed are really the biggest question marks. I will say, I mean, exactly what, what Javon just said of like linebackers, safeties and corners, like feel like they're like, you kind of know that actually kind of gives me pause because like, I feel pretty good about those groups, to be honest. Like, I feel like there's like legitimate playmakers at linebacker. I feel like there's a lot of people that played a lot of snaps at safety. And we've talked about the corners. 
But then my mind goes, well, if, if you feel good about them, why'd they win three games last year? Mm-hmm. Like, why why could people run the ball against them at will? And that's because the defensive line was so touch and go at times last year that that's the, the, the cast of Temple football. When they're good, they're good on both lines. I, I don't think that formula has changed. I think in order for the Stan Drain era to be successful as those two lines are are the focal point for the next couple of years until they get to that level. Yeah. And I think it's their way of saying not that anybody couldn't probably pick up on this as their way of saying that we feel the coaching is better and they're going to get more out of both of those lines. When I talked to Zach Gill and Adam Klein on Monday night, Zach Gill had said, guys feel good about being back in the building again. And even if he's not saying that's a thinly veiled shot at, at Rod Carey and the previous staff, it's just, the truth, you know, so um, even the, you know, the guys that, again, that Adam Klein is talking about again, a reminder, if you're an Scoop subscriber, you can read my interviews with Adam Klein and Zach Gill. They're up on the site now and a lot of good insight there heading into, into preseason camp. And, you know, some of those guys that, that I'd have mentioned like wisdom course, she uh, Bryce Toman, you know, brought up Rich Rod- Rodriguez's name, James, uh, James uh, Famineau, Peace Addo, um, you know, they and again, this is a season where Chris Weezyhan's really gonna, you know, earn his money. Not that he doesn't every season, but you're gonna see how much of a, a market improvement will there be there. Where guys are saying stuff like, "Wow, I'm playing with much better pad level." Well, some of it was simple adjustments, some of it was this, some of it was that. But um, you know, I think that that's again, I think that ties back into what we were talking about. If they're four and eight, but you see that they're playing smarter, that they're not heavily penalized that they're just like Javon said, that there's effort there. I think that's, you know, really what, what you're looking for there. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go to a couple of the, uh, this one mailbag question here from the, the screen name is, is TJ Clark. And it kind of uh, allows us to close things out here again, because there will be so much more football to talk about in future episodes. Kyle, I was thinking about this earlier because you've been eager to turn the page. I mean, with, with camp starting next week, do we, do we go to season eight? Is, is season seven done? Look, uh, for for those that are, you know, reading the tabloids, uh, the rumors are true that I'm about to disappear probably for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to just have that break prior to my departure or when I come back, whatever you want to say as far as the season, I'm okay. I would say, you know, putting my own ego aside, I would say it's probably more of a, it makes more sense logistically to do it like, this is the last episode of the season. I think this is a decision you put on your, your daughter. I was like, ask her. Yeah. Well, don't do that. I'll put out two things. I'll see which one she grabs first, (laughs) but which I focus it when babies are born. Like so many babies have like a lazy eye at first. You're like, Oh crap. Where are you looking? I'll see which one it looks at first. (laughs) She, which one she looks at. first. How do you know? She's not going to be speaking on day three. Yeah, that's a fair point. But look, if she's just like progressed quickly by day three and like all of a sudden she's walking, smoking reds and like talking, then like <laughs> we have bigger, we have bigger questions. I all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing green at that point, to be honest, we're going on the road. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing 400, 400 nights in four, uh, 400 visits and 450 nights. We're getting everywhere on the seaboards. Come see the talking, smoking baby. <laughs> And then a hundred years, a hundred years later, they'll make a musical about it. Hugh Jackman will star in it. It'll be okay. Vegas residency. Maybe Vegas is all you need there. Yeah. I don't think you want to do the Vegas residency though. I feel like that just leads to like people kind of like going off the chain. 
Like and that's Brittany, too early in the career too. Like, like yeah. Vegas residency is yeah. when you can't book spots anymore. Except for like Lady Gaga did a Vegas residency, I think, and like she can still mm. book spots. But yeah, for the most part, it's right. It's like okay, yeah, Brittany, you're here for two years, six shows a week, grind it out. Mm. As long as it's a Vegas residency and not an Atlantic City residency, because if you get the Atlantic City one, that means you're really finished. I think there's something to be said about being a big fish in a small pond, though. So, like, imagine, like, would you rather be, like, the number eight dude on the Vegas Strip or just, like, the number one dude that's, like, taken down, uh, like, the the Tropicana every night in Atlantic City? (laughs) (laughs) This went off the rails. (sighs) That's 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 a great question. Yeah. Look, I, I think it's the latter for me. I think I'd rather just be like dominant. Like yeah. if you could ask me, it, like sports are different because if you're asking me, like, would you rather be like Crash Davis and the all-time home run hitter at AAA, or would you rather be like a the 25th guy in a major league roster? Like obviously you choose a major league roster, but like entertainment, man, I'd like to just be like a legend at like the next tier down. <laughs> like you know what, that guy, I got tickets. I got a group on for the Kyle Gas show. I got two tickets for eleven dollars. But damn, if he didn't kill that show. <laughs> That's what I prefer. I like that thinking. So to bring things back. What were we talking about? <laughs> Kyle has a daughter on the way. Due date could be sometime. Any minute. Any week. minute. And uh, we expect her to be speaking in fully formed sentences at the at the age of three to five days. So yeah, feasible. Stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end things off with uh, this mailbag question here. We also do want to acknowledge before we answer this this mailbag question, uh, the, the, the passing of, of Skip Wilson, Temple's legendary uh, baseball coach. He led Temple to two College World Series appearances, 1,034 wins. Again, passed away at the age of 92 on Tuesday. And uh, we have a story up on the site about him. And we know a few of you chimed in on that and appreciate that. And although, you know, Temple parted ways with its with its baseball program back in 2014, I believe, you know, it's it's cool to see um, you know, how many people came out on social media and kind of just shared their thoughts there. So um, just wanted to acknowledge that and send our thoughts out to, you know, to his family, his friends, and certainly the the people who played for him and, and were affected by, by his life as well. Um, and this, when Oliver passed today. Yes. Two-time national champion on those 50s uh, soccer teams for Temple. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of loss for the Temple community. So again, we're, we're thinking about, uh, those families as well. Um, to close things out here with this football mailbag question comes from the screen name TJ Clark. And uh, this gets into a few things here. Uh, with the remaining scholarships, what positions do you think the football staff will target? And this is a recruiting question, of course. So as of now, they're at 13 verbals, right? Correct. And you've got, I mean, they've gone, talked about this before, fairly. I mean, you've got Eric King, Kevin Terry, Luke Watson and Cole Skinner on the offensive line. You got four linemen there. Uh, you've got three wide receivers and Nathan Stewart, Richard Dandridge, Preston Everhart, Kyle Williams, considered an athlete, but more, you know, more of a running back. Um, I don't know. What are we thinking here? They've got a, they've got a, a their commitment from Tyler Douglas, a quarterback out of ocean township. I don't, I mean, do you think they, do you think he's the only quarterback in this class? Do you think they try to grab a second one? I think they're. I think he's the only quarterback as of right now. I mean, who knows if like in February, if Mario Valente or somebody transfers out, or Dwan Mathis transfers out, or Quincy Patterson transfers again, anything like that. Um, then maybe you reevaluate that. But I think for the most part, like 
I, I think this class still needs corners. Um, the only one they have right now is uh, Caleb Barnett. The um, he was originally from Dominican Republic. Is that right? The Caribbean, right? Yeah, the Caribbean somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah, well, yeah, somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah, but I mean, we talked about like you're replacing like Keyshawn Paul and Cameron Ruiz are gone after this year. Um, Iverson Clement moved to that position. Elijah Clark's still kind of there. Jalen McMurray's shown flashes, but I feel like they need to keep reloading at that position. And then there, I still think linebacker probably as well. They did bring out so many linebackers in on that last class that maybe you are like, okay, we're we're hanging out for a couple guys here, but I think uh, linebacker and corners are where I'd focus. Javon, any thoughts on that? Or completely agree. I, I think the only I think the only position group that's done other than quarterback, I guess, is like offensive line. Like offensive line feels like it's full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, next question here, and this is the some of the stat projection questions here, the projection questions in general. By the end of the season, who will lead the team in first one is sacks, interceptions, and tackles. So who will lead the team in sacks? Darian Varner. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they'll play enough. Actually, no, 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 no. Come back to me. I'm going to change that. <laughs> who are you thinking? I, I could see. I could see Varner unless it's. So here's what I'm pulling back. I, if you're if you're saying who's going to lead the defensive line in sacks, I think it's Darian Varner. I, I think from everything you've seen, from everything Dante's broken down in the past, I think in reality it's a guy that's going to have linebacker next to his name. Like is an overhang lead. type of yeah. Yeah. So like I don't know if that ends up being a Leighton Jordan or somebody like that, but like I, I think it's going to be who's like the primary guy from that pass rushing position at linebacker. I'll say Leighton Jordan. I would think. I, I mean, this would be. Well, obviously they need several people to step forward here, but this would be the the right time and a great time for Leighton Jordan to step forward as that next, you know, under recruited pass rusher that they that they develop. Now, the true Leighton Jordan played it, um, you know, even though he wasn't at the level of like a Penn State recruiter and Ohio State or Notre Dame recruit, they got him out of McKeesport. It's a it's a good program. He's got good size at 6'2, 220. But yeah, this would certainly be the right time for him to develop as that guy where you'd see him say, oh, wow, he looks different. He looks good coming off the edge. Maybe he's not a guy that you drop back in coverage, but he's a guy like Hassan Reddick. Not saying he's going to be Hassan Reddick who can just get to the quarterback. This I will say, right I feel like here. I feel like we're probably undervaluing how like much he like he was solid last year. Five yeah, and a half yeah, tackles yeah. for a loss. Yep. You know, like he he played last year. So it's not like he's a guy on nowhere. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'll say later. Gary and Varner, I think is going to have a very good. You're a defensive line. I honestly, that's the same thing we talked about. Like, I feel like I look at the defensive line and go, there's so much smoke to the Zach Gill stuff that he has to at least be like a solid player. And then you have defensive linemen like Demerrick Morris, Darian Varner that I'm like, they showed flashes last year. Like we're young. Like, am I crazy for thinking that line could be that much better this year? Mm-hmm. And then you start to convince yourself, like, screw it. Nine wins. <laughs> I mean, they could they could beat that Dolphins team that went undefeated. Why why stop there? Those guys are like eighty now. They destroy them. <laughs> I don't want to technicalize. Javon, any any other names you want to throw in the mix there, or do we cover? I think them? Varner, Jordan. Though those are the top two candidates. Uh, it depends on how much time the freshmen get. Like Darian Lewis could possibly be the guy you say, not as a leader, but you see maybe next year has the chance to be that next premier edge rusher. Um, 
I can't really think of too many after that, though. And I think everyone else I see at that outside linebacker spot are either guys you drop back or guys who are in there as, as run contained. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess just to mention, I mean, Trey Thomas, Juco guy, linebacker, and even um, Jacob Hollins. Jacob Hollins has played a lot of ball. He played at Fresno State before he went Juco. So, like, they, they brought some experience in there that I'm just really excited to see what DJ Elliott defense looks like because it, it feels like it's going to be more aggressive and more dynamic and more where the, where is it coming from. But until I actually see it, it's just X's and O's on a, on a piece of paper. I think the good thing is that we know it's not going to be staying in three, three, five nickel while you're getting 200 yards ran down your throat each game. Yeah. I mean, 221 yards. Excuse well, me. That was fun football to cover. <laughs> in the end, though, like, I hate this because there's a lot of times when, like, I feel like, oh, yeah, crap, I'm going to end up defending Rod Carey. Like, like, things like that happen. I go, like, they had so many safeties that could play last year that's like, all right, you had to find a way to get these guys on the field. And the trade off is, yeah, anybody could run the ball against you. Yeah. Uh, Team leader in interceptions. Somebody want to go first? I don't know if I want to go corner or safety with it. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, is it? Because I think Keyshawn Paul gets thrown at the most. Yes. All right. The issue is, do I see anybody getting past him and Ruiz enough for the safeties to get the interceptions? So I think I'll go with Keyshawn Paul. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. And my other concern is I think that the safeties that return, um, except for maybe Deshaun Winston, I think the safeties that return are like less super athlete safeties. Like I think Corey Palmer is like a really good athlete that like can play at that position. But I don't know how much how many snaps he's going to get this year. Uh, like I, I don't know if I close my mind if I see Alex Odom, who started a lot of games last year, has played a lot. If I see him bringing in five picks, um, so I'll say, I'll say, I'll say Keyshawn Paul as well. Yeah, I would think. I mean, I know it's not exciting, but I think of Keyshawn Paul. If it is safety, I would say. I mean, Deshaun Winston. Like we haven't seen you in two and a half years because last year because injury, the year before that because of COVID. Um, the last staff was really high on him. I'll be curious to see yeah. if he is able to grab on something. Be very cool. Even where is easy, eager to get to the ball. Yeah. The problem is, will it always be the right decision that he makes? Yeah. But I think I said this a couple episodes ago, but like we're going to close our eyes. It's going to be November. And you're like, Jalen Ware played 60% of the snaps. Like Jalen Ware, yeah. like just every year, we're like, okay, this is the year they like somebody outpaces them. And then he's still there. It's going to be yeah. a three year starter. Yeah. Uh, tackles. See, this is curious to me because I, I I bet you it's a safety because I think the linebackers people are going to rotate in so much. Like, there's I'm going to say Alex Odom. I think he's a good tackling safety. I can co-sign that. Like last year, three of their top four tacklers were safeties. Were safeties? Yeah, yeah. I put that in the story. I remember that very vividly. If it were not a safety, who's at that middle level that you think are? would be their leading tackler. Is it a Jordan McGee? Is it somebody yeah, else? Yeah, I, I would say I think Kobe Wilson gets a lot of the spotlight because of his recruitment, the fact they turned down Georgia. And that like honestly and like Kobe Wilson's a good player. I think Jordan McGee is um has has maybe the, the higher ceiling at that position. Mm-hmm. So I'll see Jordan it's McGee. It's clearly out of those two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean it depends. Like because like, unless you see a nose tackle it's, I mean, that'd be, I mean, that'd be, I mean, Zach, yeah, maybe we skipped over this. I mean, Zach Gill 
had said that he's, you know, he's playing the nose. He's coming off, you know, he, he was a full participant in the spring. He's playing the nose coming off that Achilles injury and uh, kind of shortchanged, you know, some of the things that, that, that Adam said about him. I asked him like, Hey, your, your name keeps coming up. Why do you think that is? Can you kind of talk about yourself or brag about yourself? And, kind of just seems to be a guy that carved out a leadership role without being able to play last year. So that would obviously be a heck of a story if he makes that much of, uh, of an impact at the, at the nose, I think they'd be having, they'd be looking really good on defense if, uh, if he's your leading tackler, but um, you know, I would say, yeah, finally. Yeah. I mean, go back to the linebackers. I would say I'd be surprised if Jordan McGee and, and Kobe Wilson don't have two of those four starting spots. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. And then other than that, I mean, the outside linebacker position is, completely up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, will the defense be better or worse than last year against the run pass and scoring? My initial answer would be yes on all three, but I don't know. I mean, I bet you how- they're a little, I, mean, not a little, I bet you they're worse on passing just because people are going to actually throw the ball against them. Yeah, they will be a tad bit worse. And <laughs> yeah. Amir Tyler's not back there anymore. True. Yeah, and, even, yeah. and even MJ Griffin. I mean, MJ Griffin. Yes. Yeah, like there's a reason he's playing the ACC right, right Louisville, now. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say I think that just like people are going to – I don't think there will be such a glaring weakness like there was last year where everyone's like, well, okay, guess what? Running backs are getting the ball 30 times a piece each. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that will be there, so I think they're going to throw the ball more. So I think statistically you'll see like – Yeah, I should Oh, yeah, they yeah. give up more yards now. Yeah, the stats were kind of skewed there. It'd be like, yeah, why wouldn't we but, like run the ball? Gun to my head, are they going to give up 38 points a game again like they did last year? No, like this is a little bit of like July 27th. Kyle is an optimist, but like, I just feel like there has to, they have to be better mm-hmm. at those positions. Dark horse or under the radar guy on defense that could make the biggest impact. I want to go last. Um, You want to go first, Javon, or you want to wait? I, I guess I might as well stay on brand. Uh, for the two guys I've been talking about since the spring game, Satchel and, and Mathis, Jalen Satchel and Sylvester Mathis, I think those two have decent potential, uh, one up the middle and one on the outside. Uh, outside of that, I think everyone else we know about. So I can't really say under the radar. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're, those guys are going to have any breakout seasons. I just think when they do steal some snaps here and there, you'll see some Decent football, a lot of them. The only thing that gives me pause there is that there's always a guy that plays well in the spring game every year, and then it never exactly sustains, sustains itself. I, I'm going to go with a guy, and again, this is just a gut feel and nothing more. And again, we'll probably change this answer halfway through August. The guy that, that Kyle brought up earlier that I'm interested to see if they can get more out of him, a, a guy that flashed a little bit last year is Corey Palmer out of, out of Camden. You know, if we, we've talked about that, you have Alex Odom there. You have Jalen Ware there. Of course, if Jalen Ware can just become steady and not get he's when he's steady, he's steady. When he gets beat, he really gets beat. But again, I kind of, you know, coaches say in some way, shape or form, we want to give a lot of these guys a clean slate. Sometimes you think of that as a reporter too, and say, you know, you could be in game one, game two, or game three and say, wow, that guy's better than I gave him credit for. And like, wow, the coaching really is that much better, or they just put him in the right spot or so on and so forth. But I'm interested to see what the staff can get out of Corey Palmer. If he if he gives you more at safety, then they're they're obviously better on the back end there. That's my gut feel answer at, the, at this point. But you know, again, I still think that um, as we kind of transition out of this and bring this episode to a close, I, I still think that you'll see 
and I could be wrong. I, th- I think that you'll still see a cautious stand rate. And when it comes to talking to reporters, we are going to get players uh, in preseason camp. Now we, we weren't able to talk to players in the spring. Uh, and I think a lot of guys are, are fairly cautious in general. They don't want to paint themselves into a corner, but we've said this every year, you know, if you talk to fans, you, you just say, you try to listen, you know, the, the parts of practice that we see are limited, basically drills, special teams we'll see, but you kind of just keep your ears open, like who's coming up. And, and sometimes, you know, if some player lets his guard down and says, Hey, I'll tell you, he looks really good. And it's this guy or that guy. I still think, I, I don't expect that Stan Drayton is going to be ranting and raving and saying like, Oh, this guy's going to be an all conference player. He's going to be that bold, but We'll just have to see which names are, are coming up again. Remind people that we're not gonna we're not gonna have access to all of practice, and we'll just do our best to kind of ask and find out what's going on here. So, um, Dominic Hill has a chance at corner. At coming out of South Carolina as a corner. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's my question: is Is he playing corner? Is he playing corner? Or is he more of a safety at this level? Like, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think that kind of. Not that steals my thunder at all, but kind of segues into my answer. Real quick, John, your point about giving a clean slate to players. I feel like if you look at our game threads on our message boards on any post point, uh, you see why people don't give clean slates because a guy might get burnt game one and then play really well for eight weeks straight. The second he gets burnt in game nine, our game threads are like, see, he's been awful yeah. since game one. He's terrible. Like, oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're missing the eight games in between that he was a pretty good player. Yeah. Um, I will say this is going to sound ridiculous because saying he's under the radar because he might be one of the more above the radar players that Temple's gotten in the last couple of years. I kind of see Iverson Clement having a role. I think I think yeah. he's a I think he's just such a natural athlete that now that he's at corner, I could kind of see that like okay, not that I think he's going to be pushing Keyshawn Paul or Cameron Ruiz for a starting job, job, but we've seen it work in the past before, right? Like I, I saw Nate Harrison go from a an afterthought at wide receiver to being an NFL draftee at corner. I've seen it work in the past in the American at the temple level. You can kind of get by with just athleticism. Sometimes um, it's not all technique at this level in corner. And I, I think that he might just be a big, good enough athlete to carve out a role. And that's a solid point. If you think about receivers in the conference right now, Tulane has maybe one easy. No one has more. Than yeah, it's, it's not, two, it's not two years receivers. ago. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I just assume that Memphis is going to flip a rock and find a 1,500-yard receiver because they <laughs> do every year. But, yeah, it's not a couple of years ago where it was just like everybody could roll guys out against you. So, And talk special teams. Mackenzie Morgan will be fun to watch. I love Australian punters. <laughs> Give me a 32-year-old eating Vegemite older than me, saving towards this 401k. I love <laughs> Australian punters. And the fact when they hired Adam Shire, I was like, this is it. They're finally going to have an Australian punter. And here we are. Well, who Great are I think he's only like 28, but still. What, what's uh, Who else is on your long list of, of Australian punters? Um, who was the guy the uh, the Eagles had for years? Um, not Sean Landetta. The guy after Sean Landetta. But pretty much everywhere Adam Shire has ever gone, as Australian punter. I mean, you're seeing it up at Rutgers. Adam Corsack is still there. Um, like they they get guys like that. And honestly, and like it works for him because he it, I, let me rephrase that it has to work for him because they essentially told the legacy punter, Adam Barry, like you don't really fit the, the punting scheme anymore. And now he's at Oregon, he's at a Pac 12 school. Uh well, as of right now, they're a Pac 12 school. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm just curious what about is that. Pac 12 anymore. 
We've managed to go through a couple episodes special, talking about special, conference realignment. Special teams in general, like another thing, like it just has to be better, right? Like the return game has to be better than it was the past couple of years. have to have a return game. Yeah. Like it, I think we kind of washed over it a little bit in 2019 because they were winning, but like they took an all American kick returner, punt returner, and turned them into nothing. And I'd say it right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Who's um, who's who's returning kicks? Uh, it's a very dreams. Obviously, Clement. Like maybe you maybe put a defensive a, guy back there. I think Clement team. is the answer. If he spent some time at running back, and you're about to put him at corner, yeah, he's looking I, for a I way. Think to, he's the number one choice. Yeah, if you're looking for a way, to just get him on the field. Then okay, here's five touches a day, five touches a game from that. Yeah, maybe a Malik Cooper or someone like that. We'll yeah. see. This is why camp's fun. You know, you just you go in. It's kind of like a almost blank slate, and especially with a new staff, and you see who pops, and you know, see which guys. In 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 talking about special teams as well, like is that where you know some of these mid year guys, or you know, they they make their they make their mark there. I mean, it sounds so trite to say, but maybe not with Temple, just because they had. You know, the previous staff would say that they cared about special teams, but they had a funny way of showing it. It was more just like that. The Rod Carey era was like special teams. Don't F up. <laughs> just keep things steady. Don't block kicks. Don't give up long returns. And that never worked. So Cam Johnston. That's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, he haven't has a chance to make a name for himself on special teams. Yeah. Yeah. Does like a, a guy like a Corey Yeoman come in and if he doesn't break that, the necessarily break the rotations of linebackers, he a tackling machine on on special teams as a guy with decent size at, at, at 6'3, you know, 225. You know, we'll we'll see. Be very, very interesting. So um, thanks for sticking with us for this episode. Uh, we will be back with you next week. We'll have a lot to talk about, a lot of audio for you from uh, from Media Day and as interviews kick up. And uh, hope everyone's doing well, and we will talk to you soon.